welcome to the Expat Cast. I'm your host, Nicole Palazzo, and today I sit down with friend of the show, Jenny, who you may remember from episode two, where we talked about language course visas in Germany. Today, Jenny and I talk about assimilation versus self. Of course, when you move to a new country, you're beckoning in a whole season of change into your life as you learn a new culture, meet new people, maybe even learn a new language. And as you go through that, of course, you're going to change as you adapt and embrace this new culture and identity. But how do you do that while still maintaining your sense of self? No easy feat, of course, um, but I think the wonderful thing about being an expat is it throws so many things into light. So you get a really clear opportunity to look at where is this line between people-pleasing and staying true to myself? Who am I when I'm not surrounded by people who live and think similarly to me? And at the same time, it's a great chance to reinvent the less serious things in life, like how you go about dressing yourself, or getting ready in the morning, or planning a vacation, posting on social media. All of these things that can become second nature are now thrown into a whole new light, and you have this wonderful opportunity to reinvent how you do these things. We talked about all of those examples and more in this episode, and I think we could have talked for about three more hours coming up with more and more examples, but we don't. Don't worry. It's a lot of fun and and educational as well. So I learned the hashtag no poo in this episode. (laughs) I'm hoping you guys will learn something too. I'm Jenny. I'm from San Francisco, California. I live in Freiburg, Germany now, and I've been here actually just going on my two-year anniversary in Freiburg. Congratulations. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Today, Jenny and I are going to talk about this concept of how how do you assimilate to a culture without giving up yourself or do you give up yourself your, certain parts of your self-identity how do you find this balance between being you and being in this new place where you want to fit in so this is something we've definitely both been experiencing um, I'm still fresh here I'm in seven months in or something like that you're two years in so you've maybe had more of a, an, a roller coaster experience for me I think the first time that this concept came to mind was when I was packing to move here And I could only fit whatever was in my suitcase. I I didn't have the ability to bring every piece of clothing I owned. And I remember telling my brother, like, yeah, I'm just like, I'm not sure what to pack. I know I have to get rid of certain things, but I don't want to get rid of the wrong things. Like, you know, I've been in Germany before, but just socially. And so whatever I was wearing was fine. It doesn't matter. Now I'm going to go for a job. And I don't know how people dress at work. I don't know what I should be wearing. And I was just freaking out about it. And he just was really taken aback because he was like, I've known you your whole life. (laughs) And you've never been someone who gives a damn what anyone else thinks about how you dress. Like I used to dress super weird in like high school and stuff like that. Like just every color of the rainbow and bows and it didn't look good. It was just like an explosion. And I never cared because that was me. It's how I wanted to express myself. Um, And so he pointed out that, you know, why am I not feeling that way about this move? And I hadn't even thought about it until he he brought it up. But then I was sort of haunted by it. And I was like, why do I care? But I I sort of came to realize, you know, the, the same old rules don't work. You know, even if I'm totally confident wearing purple tights, to work in America, that's because I know the rules of that environment and I know it's okay. I don't know what the rules are here. All I know is a lot of Europeans wear black and so should I even bring my yellow pants or any of this? Like, will it work? Will it be okay? Is it okay to be different? I don't know. And and that was something I really like struggled with when I was packing. 
in that instance, I got here and was like, no, it's fine. It's, you know, <laughs> I work in a super casual work environment. I wear jeans and a shirt and, you know, it's whatever. But I would say, I don't think people who know me here would necessarily think of me as like a weird dresser. I think I just kind of look plain. Whereas before, my identity um, in clothing was definitely a little bit more out there exciting. I think it's because in America, you know how to make a statement because you know what's different in America. You know what's acceptable, but you also know what is different and what makes your personality in that sense. Whereas in Germany, you're not sure, okay, if you dress like this, is are people going to think this is your personality? Mm-hmm. Like, how does that come across in a new country? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Though, though now I'm remembering... <laughs> At at my uh, office Christmas party this year, we it's a small company, and we did a little round where everyone sort of gave a compliment to the person next to them. The director was the person next to me, and I was like, oh my god, what's she going to say about me? I don't know. I'm nervous. The first thing she said was that, oh, like, you just wear such great colors all the time. And everyone at the table, like, all the Germans were like, yeah, it's really amazing how you wear so many colors. And I was sitting there like, uh, yeah, okay. Um... So, you know, I guess I'm still different in some way, but it doesn't feel different to me. And this, well, this is another thing, too. This was genuine because Germans don't, like, could you imagine being in America? And if I said this to you, I'd be like, Nicole, I just love how you, like, wear any color. And it's, like, really not a compliment. It's just like, please don't ever wear that dress again. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's a very polite way of insulting exactly but but the germans they're genuine they don't sort of have that underhanded i mean they they do in ways but in this case especially if they're speaking english with you it's not gonna be like that sort of underhanded compliment definitely i mean it's totally genuine and now that i'm sort of more aware of this and looking at what people wear to work it's like yeah like a lot of people wear all black and then like a green scarf so i guess i am sort of stepping outside of the norm But to me, it feels like I'm very much like playing by the rules. And sometimes I feel a little bit upset about that, not in a serious way, but I'm a little bit like, "Mm." you know, that was part of my identity is having more maybe vintage or quirky outfits. And and that's kind of gone for right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Part of that's true, because I'm just not in a place in life where I'm buying a lot of uh, clothing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was the first one that really stuck out to me where I was like, okay, I am I am learning new rules. I am. I am stepping outside of of what I knew, and I need to figure out what that means for me. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had that with with clothing or something else? So my experience coming to Germany with clothing was actually sort of freeing for me because I was a new sort of like born-again minimalist. (laughs) Because I, from living in San Francisco, I'd worked for a retail company and I was buying all sorts of clothes, whatever was in season, following trends and all of that and really chasing that and spending too much time and energy on clothing. And coming to Germany, I got to sort of get rid of everything that I didn't love or that I didn't find practical. There's some like saying like, there's no bad weather, only bad clothing, (laughs) they say. Um, And so that was another thing was preparing to come here and knowing that I just need things that I can move in that are comfortable, that are durable, because I knew in Freiburg, I was going to be hiking a lot. And I didn't know what sort of job I was going to work. Eventually, when I first came here the first year, I was just a student. 
But I figured whatever job I'm going to eventually have, it's probably not going to be an office job because I'm just not that literate in German. <laughs> um, and it's going to be something physical. And so, you know, I knew that I'm going to need flat shoes and jeans and t-shirts and all that stuff. And so I really found myself coming here that I fit right in with that and that I never felt really out of place with my sort of fashion. However, I know that I would have if I had been still the clothed obsessed person that I was several years ago before I moved, before I sort of got rid of all the high fashion, because that is one thing. Now I still have an eye for it. And uh, really other things just have to do with in terms of assimilating for like using both your hands when you're eating food <laughs> that, yeah. holding a utensil and your fork and your knife and in, in in different hands and not <laughs> switching them and various things I remember being at a birthday party of my boyfriend's brother was like the very first weekend I got to Germany that weekend I met his whole family I didn't speak a word of German I'm at this table with a whole bunch of people who are celebrating a birthday and it's a very not like super formal dinner but it's a nice dinner that they've prepared and we have the whole family over and extended relatives and I'm just like can I put my elbows on the table? Do I put my napkin in my lap? Like, are the rules the same? Like, I'm watching everybody, you know, to see what they're doing. But the the glaring thing that just stuck out to me was, oh, wow, I have no idea how to use silverware. I've had that problem, too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It'll make me feel great if this is a real cultural problem. Because, okay, the first summer I lived in Germany, uh, my boyfriend and I were living with um, family friends of his. And this family... Um, we had dinner together every night and um, there were a couple issues there where I just, I didn't know what the protocol was. I was in these people's house. I didn't quite know how to show appreciation or how to show respect. They weren't very formal. They like liked to have a bottle of wine and, and yell at each other every night at dinner. And it was so much fun. And, and um, somehow it was a very loving yelling. So anyway, I'm sitting there trying to like figure out how to fit in and, and, and also show my appreciation for them taking me in. The first problem was like how much food to take because, you know, I, I took a, a modest amount at first. I wanted to make sure it was enough for everyone. I didn't want to be greedy. But then the the mom in the family would ask me, don't you want more? Here, have some more. So then I would take more. And then she would ask again, like, don't you want more? And so then I would take more. And I was just eating so much every night at dinner. And at some point, I tried to then follow my boyfriend's lead. When he took seconds, I would take seconds. Then about a month into this, one day, they were they were yelling. And at one point, they were like, and I have to cook so much extra because you eat so much. You and your girlfriend eat so much, she said to, to my boyfriend and I. And I was sitting there like... I didn't want to eat any. I mean, I wanted to eat some of this is great food, but but I, I was intentionally yeah. eating more to try to fit in. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm adding to her stress because she feels like she has to double the amount of food she's making. So this was problem number one, where I tried really hard to assimilate and give myself my, my trueness to myself up and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And then I grew up in a family where if you didn't have steak, you didn't use a knife. If you had steak, you used a butter knife. Mm -hmm. Everything was always a step down. If you could cut something with the side of your fork, that's what you did. So I very rarely used a knife and a fork. And again, we're sitting at this table and there's meat and everyone has a knife and a fork and everyone's using them. So same as you, I'm, I'm observing and I'm trying to fit in. And I kept like scratching at the plate with my knife because I would go too hard or like I would be like, it won't cut. And I was just wiggling the knife left and right instead of actually sawing at it. And and my boyfriend got a lot of mileage of um, making fun of me for not knowing how to use cutlery. But 
Yeah, Americans don't have great knife skills. Not so well, much. We know how to cut a steak, yes, but like we have great fork skills. We yes. really, I mean, is it a bad thing that we only need a fork? I don't know. You wash less or, Hey, I can use chopsticks. Oh. I haven't, I have not met a German that can use chopsticks. Yeah, so then for me, the question is, so then what, do I just keep doing what's right for me? But sometimes that can fall flat too. Another thing is like social media and how much you share on social media. Germany in general seems to be less excited about sharing things on social media. Maybe people will share around posts that other people made, but I don't see too many people uploading pictures from their weekend or something. They're very skeptical of it for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. yeah. They're very into Datenschutz, so the protection of data mm-hmm. and um and it goes as far as not wanting to share your life on social media. So um again when I'm first coming over, I I'm coming from a a lifestyle when I was in Chicago uh, where my friends there posted everything on Mm -hmm. social media. They were very sharing with that. And I always felt somewhere in the middle. The first time I came to Germany, I was maybe a little bit more close to the chest with what I shared. When I moved here, I was more willing to share things because I'd, I'd moved over after having this giant going away party that my family threw for me. All these people came out to support me and I wanted to like show them, you know, the life that I'm living and sort of share it with them so that they could see, you know, the, the results of what they were there for. So I was like, okay, maybe this is being more true to myself. It's just posting it, even though I feel a little bit weird about it because I know it's not viewed as like socially acceptable here and and maybe some some of my German friends will be like oh she shares so much or something so I tried yeah I tried sharing a little bit more but then I felt weird about that because I was like well I don't care I don't actually want to share these things but I feel like other people wanted to see them Mm -hmm. and so again I'm having this question of like what who am I doing these things for and why right are you being authentic to yourself? Are you sharing? I mean, well, uh, so I had these dreams when I first moved to Germany. I thought, I'm going to blog. I'm going to vlog. I'm going to um, sh- have, you know, the biggest travel Instagram account. Like, I finally have things to actually say and post and share. And it makes sense because this is what this tool is for, to share with people who aren't there. And now I'm thousands of miles away from my friends and family who are all using social media. And I mean, my mom is on Facebook more than I ever have been. Like, it's, well, they say now it's moving to an older generation. Definitely. (laughs) But, but, you know, so I thought I was going to do all of this stuff. And in terms of assimilation, that wasn't going to work just in in my own personal relationship because my boyfriend is terribly skeptical of Facebook, of social media, of any sort of internet use being tracked, being, you know, anything like that. He doesn't have his real name on his Facebook account. He doesn't have, well, he has a picture, but it's hard to see who it is. And it's from like 15 years ago. Like, so when I first came here, I started that I, I was blogging and I wrote every week a little wrap up of what I did. And I knew that really it was only my close friends and my mom reading it, but I felt like this was something extra to do for them because I missed them. And it was sort of like these postcards I was sending back through social media. So I had the blog and I had a Instagram account with pictures here and there and things would get posted on Facebook or what I would do is I would link my blog posts through my Facebook. Well, eventually friends of my boyfriend started becoming my friends on Facebook and some of them were a little bit more active than he was and they would read my blog posts and eventually it came back where my boyfriend was at a party without me and his ex-girlfriend was there. Uh, f- they're friends, you know, no, not drama or anything. But she was there with his, her new boyfriend anyway. And 
she said something to him like, oh, I see, you know, I see how Jenny's doing. I see how your new girlfriend's doing and everything that she had. She knew a lot of things that I was going through because I was talking about assimilation, problems I was having, whatever. Not very personal stuff, of course. And I would never mention his name or anything. But of course, there was like, oh, Germany does this weird or I'm having trouble with this. And she told him all of that. And he was just completely dumbfounded and almost a little like hurt that I had shared so much Mm. and sort of scared of it. We had to have a big conversation about it. And he was like, I want to read your blog. I want to see what's on there. And I'm like, okay, well, it's go ahead. It's but it's, it's out there. <laughs> it's out there. But it's also like, don't worry about it. Because I said, well, for one, yes, technically, it's posted openly, anyone can go see it. But I'm not going to get found. I'm not famous. No one cares about me. My mom is reading it. My five friends, <laughs> you know, are reading it. But it's really like there. It's just not something to that I would worry about. But he really worried about it. And eventually, I just stopped posting anything on there simply because I just kind of got bored with it. And I, I think in this way, I have assimilated more to him. But in a way, I get a little, I don't know, I'm losing some of myself because I'm a very open person. I like sharing. And I've always thought about, you know, social media stuff as being like, oh, this would be really cool. Um, in fact, when I was back in America, I did my own YouTube channel that I started. And he was totally not very you know, cool with that. Um, Well, he just was like, why would anybody care? Because I was doing this little travel channel vlog about living in my car traveling the Pacific Northwest. And he was seeing it. And I was like, you know, aren't you interested? Don't you want to kind of see? And, And I was like, it was also because I wanted to sort of explain to people who might be interested in doing that same sort of travel, what I did, what sort of things I did set setting up in my car, how I slept, what I ate, you know, where I went to the bathroom, all, you know, anything you could ever want to know. And I tried to share that with people. And, you know, it's got like, I don't know, 2000 subscribers or something. It's very small, like it's not a huge channel. But just that like freaked him out. And of mm-hmm. course, as soon as I came back to Germany, I stopped it because because I have nothing here that has to do with that channel. In that sense, I'm not living in a car anymore. Sure. <laughs> so um, in that case, I just let it, you know, let it be out there. It's public still. Whoever wants to see it can see it. But in a way, that was 100% me at that time. But it's also not me in Germany. I'm not so open with social media here. Exactly. It's very rare. I actually, I changed my name on Facebook. And I don't have my real name anymore on Facebook. (laughs) So how's that for assimilation? I Um, think that's part of the cool thing, but also the challenging thing. is like you get to try on all these different hats. So I'm sort of reaching this point in living here where I'm like, I feel very free about it. I, you know, I knew who I was in America. I don't really know who I am here. So I could be kind of anything. So, you know, rebirth or reinvention. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I mean, starting a podcast is the kind of risk that I would have been too afraid to ever take back in America. Mm -hmm. Um, Here, I feel fine with doing it because maybe I'm the kind of person who has a podcast, right? (laughs) And um, uh, we'd actually, Jenny and I had talked recently about not washing hair. So there's a whole (laughs) movement to to not wash your hair and, and let your what your body's natural oils take mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is something I'd have heard of in America, but kind of like a little bit rolled my eyes. Like, okay, like fine for other people, but not for me. Recently, I was like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I am the kind of person who doesn't wash their hair. <laughs> Haven't washed my hair in about a month now. 
probably going to again soon. I mostly just didn't want to buy shampoo and then decided to sort of justify this decision. Which is like too cheap for shampoo, really, is the, exactly. the whole thing. Uh, Low-key too, 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 uh, too cheap to go buy shampoo. Um, but what I'm telling the story is that, uh, yeah, um, I'm a no hair washer person, whatever they're called. She doesn't even know what it's called, guys. It's know. called no poo. It's the no poo. <laughs> hashtag no poo. Okay, it's the greatest hashtag ever. Okay, I'm still rolling my eyes on that one. I don't, I don't think I can be quite put on, putting on that hat, the, the hashtag no poo. No poo. <laughs> but you know, it's things like this where it's like, well, who the heck knows? I didn't think I was so many types of people. I, I for the longest time, was like, I'm not good at learning languages. And now that I'm into learning German, now that I'm here, I mean, many people tell me like, no, you're, you've got a bit of a natural knack for this. And I'm like, heck, maybe I'm a person who learns languages. Maybe I'm going to start learning French next. And it's like this this discovery period. Mm-hmm. So anything's possible. It's it's scary. It's like the hardest thing to do, of course. But in in a way, it's the most exciting and most adventurous thing you can do to just be completely new at everything again. And that's what happens when you move to another country that obviously you don't speak the language and you maybe know one or two people before you get there. That's been a really great thing for me, uh, whether I assimilate or not. <laughs> we have yet to determine. <laughs> but then I find I have totally assimilated in certain areas. So, so just this week, I had made a meal that had leftovers. The leftovers went into a Tupperware container where the lid closed, but it didn't quite clamp on on the container so it was um at risk of spilling shall mm-hmm. we say and and my boyfriend's gonna take this to work and i said oh i have a little lunch bag you can use just put the the tupperware container in the bag and then you're good he's like yeah what if it spills in that and i said oh don't worry don't worry it's 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 a lunch bag it's made for that you know right it catches spills like yeah. it's lined it's, it's fine <laughs> it's lined exactly um and he was like well i think i mean that's fine i think i'm just gonna um wrap it in plastic wrap and then put it in my in my bag i was like <laughs> why would you do that and he was like well so that it doesn't spill. And I was like, you could put it in the bag and then it wouldn't spill. He's like, yeah, but it still might spill. And then it's in the bag. That's okay. That's what it's there for. Then you can reuse it. It's perfectly fine. And I realized as as we're having this conversation, he's not taking it very seriously. I was taking it very seriously. Like no plastic wrap. No plastic wrap because you're wasting it. (laughs) You don't need that. You have an alternative that would have gotten the job done and you're just wasting this plastic wrap. And um, Germany is famous for being a little bit anal retentive about the way that they sort trash and how they handle recycling. And it's gotten to me. I mean, I was appalled to the point where I was like, well, I don't even know why we own plastic wrap. It's just a wasteful substance. I never bought it. I've never used it. I've probably used it. If, <laughs> if I'm looking back now, I've probably used it. But, you know, I'm just in this moment so offended. So self-righteous. Yes, totally <laughs> self-righteous. And and this is not a characteristic that I had in America when I was living in Chicago and threw everything into the trash can and had no second thoughts about it, no guilt, didn't give a darn. <laughs> and now, a couple months into being here, it is, is very deeply ingrained and, and I am turning into this person who cares very much about saving the environment, even to the extent of a tiny little thing of plastic wrap. 
Well, I've I've had the, the like the opposite problem in that I was so extreme in America where I was and had gone so many months on a path of like a zero waste, like shopping at bulk stores and you know to not using toilet paper and like like <laughs> super extreme. Like you wouldn't find toilet paper or paper towels or never would you see plastic wrap in my house. In, yeah, I was very extreme in that sense and yeah i'd gone no shampoo for like two or three years um, actually it's called no poo no poo i, I know say, this now no, you know it. <laughs> um so yeah so i had gone very very extreme and so when i was reading about freiburg before moving here and being like okay this is like a green city there's a like there was a thing going on about use this reusable coffee cup that all the freiburg coffee shops have called the freiburger cup huh. and that you can bring it back to any store and they'll fill it up for you or they give you a new one and then they take it and wash it because it's all the same across the board wow, which i'd been neat. thinking like we need to unify to go containers anyway so I thought, okay, this is great. I'm going to fit in here. Well, but then you have my boyfriend and his family. And <laughs> it's it's uh, Tempos, which is German Kleenex for everything. They have paper towels for everything. His mom buys little paper napkins that have Easter decorations or Christmas decorations or whatever. And it's decorations, but it's also just a complete pile of waste. And I'm coming there for my first Christmas with the family. And I've got my presents wrapped in like newspaper, which is how my dad did it. And wrapped (laughs) in like reused present paper. Uh, This year, I had everything wrapped in brown paper that was saved over from other recycling packaging like that they shove in like Amazon box. And then I tied it up with twine. But I thought it looked really cool. And I put like little sprig of like rosemary on it, you know, so it was like earthy, kind of pretty looking, you know, but also it's just like, it's very clear what gen packages are compared to what (laughs) all the fancy sparkly German, you know, Christmas paper was, you know, but these are things that this is how I was. And this was myself a hundred percent in America, but then coming here and not totally wanting to freak out my boyfriend and make him think that I'm some weird hippie freak because that's what he thinks of me in these (laughs) cases. I have done my assimilation, but over these two years, I've sort of gone back to it. So as of now, I've been no poo for only one month. And that was because I was trying to use German shampoo. They have all different kinds of natural ones. And I had been trying to use it for a couple of years. And of course, the water is different here and all that. You know, but then eventually I was like, I don't like this. This isn't working for this. This is not what I want. I liked my hair better how it was. I assimilated in that I started using German shampoo. And now I'm getting back to myself and saying, I'm not going to use it. I also think about that with um with traveling europe this is such a common thing with americans living in europe where their entire friends and family think that they should be in a different country every weekend (laughs) i mean i can't tell you how often i'll go home to a family party and they'll say so which countries have you been to well do you throw back at them oh what states have you been to (laughs) i should yeah but i live in the northeast oh it's much easier i I do go to like three different states and you know a month that's so true yeah but even that i'm like well that's all that i'm doing too like i have been to france and i've been to austria in the last couple months but that's because they're just right next to neighbors right i didn't I didn't go jet setting. And so this is another thing I'm sort of grappling with. I'm like, is it my past culture that's telling me I need to be traveling? Or is it something within me? 
is it my new culture in Germany that's telling me stay still and live your life where you are? Or is that something that I'm discovering about myself? You know, because there's also things like that I just didn't know about myself until I moved away. Like I didn't know that I needed to live near mountains until I started living near mountains. And now it seems like such a part of my day and of myself. Mm-hmm. So is it something like that where I just never knew this desire for stillness until I experienced it? Or am I really getting a little bit frustrated that I've lived in, in Europe for eight months, seven months, and, and I haven't seen much of the country or the continent? So right. I'm trying to like grapple with that mentally myself as well. For me, it's always financial pressure. It's like, well, when I came out here, basically all of my savings went to just actually moving and being able to support myself to live in Freiburg. And I didn't have the time or the financial ability to travel all over Europe. And when you do travel here, you would want to at least spend a week or two weeks in that place. And so certainly I will eventually see a lot more countries, but it's going to be over several years, over my lifetime of getting to travel rather than trying to squeeze it all in. Now, I know Americans, we always think about, well, you got to squeeze it all in because one of the things Americans do is they take a Europe vacation. Right. And they hit up several big cities in, you know, the popular countries. And then that is their thing when they do that within three weeks. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, uh, you know, well, yeah, same thing coming from from the West Coast of the United States. I'm like, I mean, just in California alone, none of us ever really leave our state because it's a big deal to get across it. Also, road tripping here isn't such the thing that it is where I'm from. Yeah, I mean, you have to remember, like, the American highway system. It's expansive, it's elaborate, and it's affordable. And so, of course, people are going to drive places. Yeah. Here, if you wanted to see all of Germany, you'd have to drive around a lot or you'd have to take a lot of trains, which that would add up. Or you have to be flying if you want to see all of Europe. And and those expenses make it pretty, I mean, it's it's obviously cheaper once you live here and you're not paying for the transatlantic flight, but you're still paying, paying for flights. Well, and they, they grow up here with such expensive gas, really. That's another thing. That's is that huge. Filling up a tank is 50, 60 euros in some cases, depending on how much. I mean, and they're selling it by, what, the liter? You know, it's it's a small amount compared to our gallon we get for two bucks or three bucks, whatever it is now, you know. And then I think about, too, with travel, people do get a lot of vacation time here, and it's very common for people to do what what now the the trendy Americans are calling a staycation, wherein you take days off and stay where you live. Mm-hmm. That's super common in Germany. People will take a whole week, two weeks, and just just be around their town. And when they do go on vacations, it's not necessarily this sort of rushed, um, let's go sightseeing kind of a thing. For some people, for sure. But it tends to be more of a, a slow paced experience. My boyfriend always says um, he needs like the first three days to even feel he's on holiday. Right. Which is a crazy thing to my American ears because I'm because, like, you're halfway through your vacation then. Well, everyone <laughs> in America is like, like the Friday you clock out, everyone's like posting on Instagram, I'm on vacation. Right. Like they immediately feel on the way to the airport, they're on vacation. And, and in Germany, when we've taken vacations, it's been like three weeks in one go. And then at the end of it, sort of come back and have a good weekend back at home before he gets back into work. Yeah, this blew my mind. The first a coworker of mine was going to the United States for a vacation and she had about three and a half weeks off of work. And so I was like, wow, okay, so like, how long are you going to be 
you're like you have so much time and she she listed me through where she's going for how long and I was like wait but there's still days left so where are you then she's oh like I just took that off I'm just going to be home and I did not understand that for the (laughs) longest time because it's just not part of what I knew to be possible I get like a day for jet lag or something but yeah yeah, anything more than that you're I feel you're wasting time but it's Mm -hmm. because well working in America I had so little of it exactly so that's always my question here to myself is I I am starting to feel antsy like I want to see more of this area and I think now I'm sort of settling into this but before I was like well no like the German way is to be where you are and that you don't need to go on like all these jet setting adventures like you know so why don't I try that because maybe there's a secret to that that I just never got to experience and then also when you're living abroad you're not you're not studying abroad for a semester and you have two thousand of your family's money to go blow on jet setting you know so you're living here you know you work all week and then you're tired and you want to just hang out over the weekend or see friends but yeah so I was doing a lot of just staying still for like a a first little bit when I moved here and I was thinking is this what I want out of this And I couldn't answer. I wasn't sure. (laughs) And I did do things. I don't want to, you know, discredit the things that I did get to experience. And sort of just now that I'm settling more into my experience here that I feel like I can be like, you know what, I don't need to go to Amsterdam for the weekend, this weekend, and then Paris the weekend after. Like, Mm -hmm. but why don't I take a day trip to a castle that's an hour and a half away, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know Something that in the area, exploring yeah. your surroundings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of this nice compromise between the two cultural expectations of travel, because the Germans are all about the Ausflug, their their day trips, mm-hmm. and Americans tend to want to be sightseeing and seeing more different things. So, so in my mind, these two identities that I'm developing can sort of compromise. But I do find this to be a very weird process. I feel like I could keep talking about that forever, but it is time to transition to our favorite ending segment called Zack, 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 wherein I will ask three quick questions. Jenny, you don't have time to think about it. We don't have time to talk about it or justify why you made these choices. Just give me your answer. Go with your gut. Think about it as little as possible. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. What is your favorite soccer team in Germany? SC Freiburg. Yeah, yeah, underdogs. <laughs> What city or town or region would you tell people that they have to see if they're visiting America? San Francisco. (laughs) And what is your favorite winter Olympic event to watch? The double luge. Double luge, (laughs) where they sit on each other and go down a mountain on a sled. Just just for the commentary. Yeah. (laughs) So on that note, we will wrap up. Thank you, Jenny, for coming and talking to us about self versus assimilation. Thank you. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you again, Jenny, for coming on to the Expat Cast. This episode was recorded about six months ago. Jenny and I are probably at a whole new place with our assimilation versus self-experience, but that's what I think is so cool about this topic is it's always changing and evolving. For anyone worried, I did go ahead and wash my hair after about the two-month mark when I tried to brush my hair one day and the, the hairbrush broke. So that was a good sign that I'd, um, I'd gone too far. And I went ahead and watched it, but I did enjoy my little foray into the no-poo life. (laughs) If you want to check out Jenny's blogs, vlogs, and so what, I will link to them in the show notes. And I want to hear what you guys have to say about assimilation versus self. So go ahead and find us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at The Expat Cast. And as of just this week, we are on Pinterest. We're also on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on any podcast app. So go ahead and hit subscribe. Give us a rating. Leave us a review. 
Next week, we'll be back on your feeds with a conversation with Bahar, who is in Germany for a graduate school program. Until then, Palazzo out. This is the ending music song. <laughs>